We have had a, a great time going through Galatians. We've got two weeks left, and, and last week as we looked at it, we settled in on gospel character and, and what it would be like to develop your own character and how you get to try to keep up with what the Holy Spirit's doing. Because He's already doing things in your life and in the lives of those around you. To keep in step with Him is sometimes some of the most difficult things to do. To learn what it means to be more loving, more patient, right, more joyful, kind, gentle, self-controlled. All of those fruits of the Spirit as we grow up in those things, our views of life change and of people change. What is important to us changes sometimes too. We sometimes, as our character develops and we immerse ourselves in Scripture and those pieces of what God is working on in our own heart, we start to see our relationships differently. And that's good. So as we develop our character, the outflow of that then, our our relationship with God, as we deepen it and as it focuses then the outflow of that should be how we help and love each other. What is it that that we get to do along the way with each other? And Paul tackles some of that here. And This isn't isn't an easy topic to preach. It's, It's harder because it's more emotionally based and it has to be motivated from a heart that God has been working in. And it has to be received by a heart that understands what it means that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. To recognize first that you need a Savior. It's sometimes the hardest thing to acknowledge because we don't want to admit that we need help. That sometimes our daily lives are too much for us to bear alone. But that is why the Comforter came, right? That's why Jesus left and said, it will be good if I go because the Comforter, the Illuminator, your Advocate is going to come. And you're not alone. (laughs) You're not alone. No matter how isolated you may feel, relationship is there. And today we're going to talk a little bit about what it takes to get there. And some of the hurdles originally are questions that you need to ask about your character first. Talked about it last week, right? Who are you becoming? How is the Gospel changing you? How is it molding your heart? And are you responding to the Holy Spirit? Are you actively following the Holy Spirit? When He prompts you and leads you in a direction, are you listening? Are you keeping up? And then today, how is it affecting your relationships? How is your character working itself out in the relationships that you find yourself in? Galatians 5.26 is the verse we kind of finished with last week, and I want to start with it again. Galatians 5.26, 
Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. We have to start there because we have to understand if we're going to keep in step with the Spirit, then we can't be full of ourselves. Does that make sense? To be conceited, you're full of yourself. And that's not at all what God asks you to be. He asks you to to follow Him and to be full of the Spirit and to take that time to to immerse yourself in Him and, and gather Him in and change your heart and then react in kind. And Paul gives us this warning because he knows it's very easy for us to become conceited, to become full of yourself. And right away, we obviously think of the arrogance that comes from that. That's the easy one. The arrogance that, that comes out of that. And Paul says, don't provoke one another. Tim Keller puts it in the frame that, that this is like an instigator. This is a guy that's kind of picking a fight to see if he is better than the other guy. Don't go provoking people just to prove that you've got a better handle on it than they do. Don't be so full of yourself, conceited that you're provoking situations to prove that you've got it figured out. Don't be so full of yourself in an arrogant way. The one that we don't think about very often is don't be so full of yourself that you think everything is about you. And oh, woe is me that the world is crumbling around me because of whatever has happened to you today. Don't be envious of someone else's life. Don't be so full of yourself that you feel like you deserve that better life that you saw on Instagram this morning. Someone else did not wake up to snow. Somewhere in the world it happened. That somebody's sitting on a beach. Okay? That doesn't mean that your life is miserable and over. (laughs) That means that maybe you think too much about yourself in that moment and not thinking about what God has for you to do today. You're full of yourself, not full of the Spirit. It's a very different way to start your day. As you think about those two ways in which to view your life, those character pieces have to be grounded there because they're going to lead you to criticize how someone else is living out their faith, right? If you're arrogant about yourself and how you're living your life, then you're going to spend your life full of yourself criticizing others for how they are living their life. Because it helps you feel better about the way you're living your life. If you're full of the Spirit, then you're going to be thankful that other people are living out their faith. Period. (laughs) Because that takes guts. It takes work. It's hard. If you're going to live in an envious way, it's going to lead you to question their motives possibly, right? Well, what did they do to deserve that? I think I deserve it too. 
right? And you begin to question how they got what you want. And again, you're full of yourself and you live life that way. And as you do, it becomes embittering and lonely. Because in the end, you're left with only yourself. You're not full of the Spirit, you're full of yourself. And that's the warning that Paul starts with. Don't become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So you have to think about the Gospel character in those nutshells and then leap into now Galatians chapter 6. If we're starting with that as our base, as that as our character development piece, then how does that affect the relational aspects that we have with other believers? Specifically other believers here. Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, he says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. That first phrase even, brothers and sisters. The NIV says brothers and sisters to, to make it understandably inclusive. Inside of the Greek language, remember we talked about it says brothers, it says sons specifically because if you're a child of God, He wants you to understand the depth of it. That you're not just a child of God, but that you are the firstborn heir, right? That's where Paul is revisiting here in this letter. Because it was all one letter, we can't forget some of the things we read earlier. We've got to include the context of where he's speaking from. And he's again revisiting that, saying, brothers and sisters, or sons, or children of God, you who are heirs, that's what he called you before. Those that understand their position is another way to say it. Those that, that understand what God has done for them. Understand your context in the Scripture. And then, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. That's why we started with conceited and provoking and envying, right? Because those who live by the Spirit, those who are full of the Spirit, should be able to restore that brother or sister gently by loving them, by spending time allowing that person to interact in their world. They are caught in a sin. We who are full of the Spirit can't be judgmental. We can't be envious. We can't question motives. We, we have only them to think about. And we gently restore them to the body. No matter what it is. It's the opportunity that we're given. But we have to be living by the Spirit. We have to be full of the Spirit. 
That's the first thing. That's one of the ingredients that he talks about. Restoring them gently is one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? We've got to be listening to the Holy Spirit (laughs) to be able to restore them gently. We've got to be able to be engaged in their life. And then it says, but watch yourselves or you may also be tempted. And this is kind of a loaded sentence as well because you automatically think that maybe as the Old Testament, Proverbs, Psalms, all that, that maybe the bad company will corrupt good morals and that's certainly part of it that you cannot just engage in what they are doing to make them feel better, right? Sometimes we think that, that if we just spend time with them and what they're doing, we can pull them out of it, but it doesn't normally work that way. And Paul is revisiting that piece of it right away. That would be your failing, your fall to temptation. As I read it, I think there's an even a bigger element possibly that we find in America, and especially in our American church, we're not always concerned. We just cut people off. We, we don't usually get involved if they're out there sinning. We don't want to fall. That's what we say. We use it as an excuse. We also can get engaged in people's lives and think that it's our job to fix it. Both of them will fail. Because it's not up to us. Because we're not supposed to be full of ourselves. We're not supposed to believe that we have the answers. We're not supposed to believe that we can tell them A plus B equals C, and then when they come back again, you say A plus B equals C, and when they don't figure it out the third time, you say, you know what, you're just not getting it. We cannot fix people and we cannot be led into a moral failure or a change of lifestyle by spending time with them and just including their behaviors. It's a dance. It is a very delicate balance of things that we're trying to do inside of our world because we are human. Because we are trying to to nurture our character through the Spirit and fill ourselves up and yet help others be restored around us. And it's not us that we're giving to them. It's out of the overflow of the Spirit that we're giving to them. That's when it will work. When both we understand it and the person who is receiving it understands it as well. Because there is a warning here that you may also be tempted, right? I can't say for sure that everyone that's ever come into my office genuinely wanted help. Sometimes they want me to say what they're doing is okay. That it's okay, you'll figure it out sometime. That's how they tempt me. To condone what they're doing. So that they may feel better about where they're at. 
And I've got to figure out a way sometimes, and you have to figure out a way sometimes, to gently and lovingly say, no, what you're doing isn't right, but we've got to figure it out with the Spirit's help. I don't have an answer to every question. I'd be lying to you if I said I did. Because I am not God. You are not God. We are children of God. He is our Father. He is the one that has the answers. Watch yourselves so that you also may be tempted. Then carry each other's burdens. In this, way, in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. There is here the mutual understanding piece. It doesn't say you who are spiritual should go take that burden from them. Right? doesn't say that. doesn't say that it's your place to take all of the pain off of them. There's a nuance here, and Tim Keller touches on it, and I'll try to expand on some of it as well, that there is a burden that comes from the load later. The word load, there is a burden that comes from that. And we are easing one another's burdens, not taking their load. There's a difference there. It's not yours to remove. That was given to them. But you can bear each other's burdens. You can carry the burden, the pain, the repercussions, some of those things. You can help bear up under that for them. It doesn't mean that you make it all right for them and you take it all on yourself and now their load is light and they're all good. <laughs> Together, you bear one another's burdens. And it doesn't even just include, it can be two people, but realistically, why we open our service every Sunday, whether you realize it or not, with asking for prayer requests is because that it's good to bear one another's burdens. You may not be able to do anything physically for that person to take that load off of them, but you can pray and together collectively we can feel better about the burden that that pain brings to our life. And that's the goal. That as we work together and become more intimate with each other, we understand that. That we take into account the fact that, that God has given each of us something that we wrestle with. Different lives, different upbringings, different trauma, different situations and circumstances in life. That's the peace that we carry. And yet we can bring it here and we can bear the burden of it together. When I think about it, I think about the man who carried the paralytic to Jesus. Not one guy picked him up 
and put him on his back, right? It, it appears that they pick up his mat, and I'm picturing six or eight guys around this mat, picking up the mat and helping to carry him to the house and lowering him down through the roof. There is a, a surrounding of people. And the burden then becomes light of his load. His load was that he was paralyzed and could not do anything to help himself to earn a living, to provide for his family. And those came around him that helped bear the burden of that. They didn't take away his load. Jesus did. They just took him to Jesus. That's it. And then His faith healed Him. He had to believe that Jesus could do what He said He was going to do. Relationships are messy and complicated, aren't they? Because everyone has to be actively engaged for it to work. There's a tremendous amount of power in community. But we have to understand its goodness, its virtues, and we also have to understand our part in committing to it. Or it won't work. You cannot take the value of community from a community that you're not willing to invest in. That's the problem in our world. As we look at Corinthians, I want to just read a couple of pieces to denote, because we're going to go back to that Gospel character, and I wanted you to see that, that Paul has dealt with this in a lot of the places he's been. And in Corinth, he talks about the body of Christ, right? That we're all united in one body, made up of many parts, and it only functions if we all understand our roles, right? And so Paul is building on that here in Galatians and he, he lays out this framework and it says specifically in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14. And I'll just read these two verses to you because they're very, they're very concise. Yes, the body has many parts, not just one part. And if the foot says, I am not part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. So going back to the envy, right? When you are full of yourself and you are in this instance a part of the body, but you're not the hand, you're the foot. And so you decide you're not going to be a part of the body. You're not going to do your role. You're not going to play your part because you're not a hand. How does that impact the mobility of our body? Because you are full of yourself and saying, I'm not a hand, so I'm not going to play my role, or I'm going to be a hand, but I'm going to be shaped like a foot. Try to peel a banana. 
That's not your job, right? Sometimes we may not be happy with the place God has us, but He has you there for a purpose. First Corinthians chapter 12, verses 20 and 21. The other side of it. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. And the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. not sure why everybody wants to pick on the hand. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. The body, certain parts can't rise up and say, well, you know what, you're just a foot. I don't really need you. The eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. You cannot become so full of yourself that you would provoke someone else to not do their job. To invalue them in such a way that you hurt the body. You cannot wallow in your self-pity so badly because you're not playing the role that you think you deserve. Both of them are injurious and painful and debilitating to the body of Christ. If we could ever understand this analogy, the reason that Paul talks about these things so much talks about unity is because if we could ever be united in such a way that we actually did this, that we actually understood our roles and motivated ourselves and did what we were supposed to be doing, we would be unstoppable as a force in our world. Because it's not our buildings, it's not our songs, it's not the things that that people see that they, will, that they will run to the church for. But when they see unity and family and understanding and compassion, they will come. But it will not be our job to take their loads. It will be our job to make sure they understand who Jesus is. Because the Gospel is at the core of our relationships. The Gospel is at the core of our character. Envy says, I want it to be fixed. I want it to be made right. I want to get what I deserve. <laughs> Provoking, going back again. I can fix it. If you would just listen to me and you would do this and this, and I have the answers, <laughs> right? The eye says to the hand, I don't need you. <laughs> this doesn't work. Until we understand all of those pieces that we are to carry each other's burdens and carry those burdens to Jesus, we won't really rightly understand some of this that He talks about in 6 
3 and 5. Galatians 6, 3 through 5. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Whether you believe you are nothing or whether you believe you are something. Because in both ways, you're full of yourself. Remember, we're going back to that word and definition of conceited. You're still making it all about you. So whether you think you are something when you are not, you deceive yourself. And each one should test their own actions. And then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Again, a different word there. That which has been given to you by God to carry. There will be burdens that ripple through our relationships as a result of the baggage that we carry. That's how it works in relationships. The responsibility for us as individuals is to assess that, to spend time with the Spirit, to take a moment, and test what it is that we know to be true about our actions. To understand our character. To develop an intimacy with God that we know we have strength from Him to carry the load that He's given us, but that we don't have to carry the load's burdens alone. That we still have each other to support one another. I can't give my load to someone else, but I can talk to somebody else about it. I can spend time in relationship and listen to someone else's perspective to to speak into my pain. And that's the way it's designed. That we would carry each other's burdens, not take one another's loads. And and it's hard to do that. We want to fix it. We We want an answer. We want it to work out. There will be things in your life that no one, that no one can bear. They will be placed there as a result of you needing to rely on God. God gives us strength for those circumstances. And others come along to ease the burden of the load that you carry. Whatever the circumstances of your life are, whatever that load is, God knows. And He alone has the strength to get you through it. The burdens, the the repercussions, the things that spill out, that's what the body is for, to, to understand that we're in this together. That we are all relying on God because really that's what it boils down to, doesn't it? Humility. 
humility. That we have to admit that we need help. That we need a Savior. That we have to believe in our hearts that we can't fix it if we're of the other side. Both of them require humility. Both of them require a lot of effort. They're against our natural dispositions. Whether you believe I need help and somebody has the answer, or you're the one that thinks I have the answer, my only advice is take it to God. Take it to Jesus. It's the only place that it belongs. His grace is sufficient, right? His mercies are new every morning. These phrases exist for our benefit. That God so loved the world, right? That He gave His one and only Son. The Gospel has everything to do with your character and your relationships. What you do with the Gospel sets all of that up. What you truly believe about the Gospel makes it all possible. This week, it's about Thanksgiving, right? What better way to celebrate than to take time and evaluate what God has done. To understand with humility, yes, my circumstances are painful right now, but the reality is, I don't have to look very far to see someone who I believe that has it worse. To humbly allow myself to say, I need God. I need Him. I can't do what I do without Him. It's gotten to the place where I can't do anything. I find myself standing beside the trout stream praying that God allows the fish to bite. (laughs) because that encourages my heart. It's all there. You need His help, and He wants to give it to you. 
He's given you the opportunity to have relationship through the Gospel, to develop your character, to handle the load that He's given you, and He's given you a family that wants to come alongside of you and bear some of the burdens of that. You have to be able to make sure that those are clear in your own mind. Take time to really think about that this week what it is that God has equipped you with to handle the load that He's given you. And if the burdens are heavy, then allow someone else to know that too. Then tell somebody that you need help with the burdens. Don't ask them to fix the problem. Okay? That's a, that's, a, that's a temptation. I get it. Take time to think in humility what God has actually already done on your behalf. Father, thank You for who You are. I thank You for what You've done. Lord, I pray for our hearts that we would seek after You. Lord, that we would not confuse the things in our own mind that that we need to take to You or that we need to take to others. Lord, it's, it's such a difficult balance to to sort that all out. Lord, I pray that You give all of us strength to face what it is that You've placed in our lives. Lord, that we would embrace You and be thankful that You love us, that You have forgiven us. That that would be the beginning of the development of our character and then that we may move into a place of health and, and be able to bear one another's burdens, those, those repercussions and those things that, that need to be spread out among the body. Lord, I pray that we would all be able to do that in a way that glorifies and honors You. But I know that we are hurting in places that, that only You know. Lord, I pray that You would continue to grant strength, that You would grant clarity, that You would help us to be motivated by Your Spirit, that we would be willing to follow Your lead, that we would in some way be helpful to Your cause for Your glory and Your honor. In Jesus' name, Amen.